Good morning. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Probably sitting there going, man, I, I, I knew it was graduation Sunday today, but I didn't know we were going to see this much of this guy. And I didn't really sign up for that. I mean, you're probably, probably like, oh, I don't know. Well, you're here, so you're stuck. I hate to tell you that. If you get up now, we all know. You know what I mean? Um, guys, I, I'm so excited and I'm so thankful uh, for this opportunity to speak to you this morning. And uh, for those of you who may not know me, uh, my name is Jake Black. As Tim said, uh, I'm the student pastor here at Golden Corner. And uh, it's kind of it's wild to me. It's kind of crazy. I've been the student pastor here for going on six years. Six years. That like, I mean, that, that blows, I can tell by y'all's reaction, it blows your mind too. Um, but I, I, I knew that it was getting up there because when I, when I wanted to tell, tell y'all how long I've been here, I had to go ask Denise how long I've been here. And uh, she had to do a little research. And anytime, I feel like that's kind of like the next level up when you can't remember and then you ask somebody and they can't remember and then they have to look it up. Um, but it, it, it's, been, it's been an awesome six years. And uh, anytime I have the opportunity to speak to y'all on Sunday morning, I always like to kind of get you up to speed a little bit, just take a quick second and tell you guys a little bit about what's happening in our student ministry here. And our student ministry is called Jaywalkers, okay? And uh, we meet, uh, we have two groups. We have a middle school and a high school group. Our middle school meets on Wednesday nights. Our high school group meets on Sunday nights. And I can be honest with you. I mean, I can, I, I can stand here and be honest when I tell you that Jay Walkers is doing fantastic. I mean, it, it is doing wonderful. And over the last six months, over the last year, we have seen steady growth uh, in, both, in both, of our, uh, both of our nights, both of our middle and high school groups. Um, new kids coming in and out, you know, getting to kind of build relationships with new kids. And, and, and it's been awesome, but... It wasn't that long ago. It was actually a little over a year ago, so this past uh, last spring. I sat down on a Sunday night with our high school group. There were six of us, myself included. There were six of us. And I remember we, we, I got them together, and I can remember looking at them and telling them, guys, you know, we can, we can build something special here. That's, that's what I told them. I said, we have all the resources, I mean, we have all the tools, we have the people, we can build something special, we can build something that you guys remember uh, for years and years that makes a difference in your life. We can do that. If, if you guys will commit, I'll commit to it, and, and we'll, start, we'll start really doing this thing. That was a little over a year ago with six people. This past Sunday night, we had 31 high school students at Jay Walker's. So. It, it has been, it's been unbelievable. It, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing uh, to watch it, to, to get to know these kids, uh, to, to watch them grow up, to watch them make mistakes, to try and help them through mistakes. Um, it, it's, it's been unbelievable, guys. And not just numbers. We've seen, I, I've seen the, these, these teenagers go through life change. You know what I mean? I, I've seen them open up and, and be vulnerable with one another. Uh, a, big, a big thing that I'm big on, uh, especially right now, has been uh, being authentic, being real. And they probably get tired of me uh, saying that because I say it a lot. I say, be real. Be real with me. Be real with each other. But they're doing it. 
And when you have teenagers that are willing to open up and be vulnerable and tell each other about what they're going through and the problems that they have and they're being real, it gives us real opportunities to insert Jesus into their lives and he can make a real difference for them. So it's just been, it's been unbelievable uh, at Jay Walker's. And, and I want to thank, uh, one, one, of the, one of the things I think kind of attributes to that success has been uh, we've had an awesome group of young adult volunteers. They kind of showed up out of nowhere over the past six months, uh, past year. And these, these young adults, man, they love your kids. They love spending time with them. They are committed. They're there every Wednesday, every Sunday. They're doing stuff. They're, they do whatever I ask them to do. They're building relationships with them. They're loving on them. They're bringing their experiences to the table, um, which has been unbelievable. And it's been such a resource for us. Um, and I'm so thankful for them. But I also want to say thank you to you guys, to everyone. Because y- y'all make it possible. You are our resource that allow us to do so many things, that allow us to do all all this fun stuff to attract kids uh, to want to be a part of what we're doing. And then beyond that, the parents specifically, uh, you guys are rock stars. I mean, uh, the, the... Dropping off, the picking up, the, the, the buying drinks, the sending food, everything that you guys do. I'm, I'm just so thankful. And if you have, if you have a, a, a student that's in high school, Jaywalkers, there, there's probably a parent in here that has dropped their kid off at high school Jaywalkers at the building, picked them up, then taken them straight over to Courtney and I's house, dropped them, up, dropped them off, and then came back two hours later and picked them up. And that's just crazy to me. I mean, like, that's a love that I just don't understand. Uh, I, I don't see how y'all aren't always on the road. But um, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart when I had the opportunity to because you guys make my job so much easier and you allow uh, your teenagers to be a part of something that's real special. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for that. Uh, first off this morning, uh, however, I want, to, I want to share a story with you. And this story is found in the New Testament book of Acts chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 1. If you have your Bibles and you want to kind of flip there and hold it, uh, we're also going to have the verses up on the screen uh, to follow along with. But it, it's a story that you are probably familiar with. It's one that you've probably heard before. And, it's, and it kind of revolves and follows the life of a man named Saul. And it follows Saul through a life-changing occurrence, through a life-changing event. But before we get reading... Uh, I'd like to set the stage for you, and, and most importantly, I want to introduce you to our main character. I want you to know who Saul is before we really jump into our story. You ready? You ready? There we go. All right. Y'all are with me. Saul was a Pharisee. What that meant was he had spent years and years and years studying, reading, teaching, and being taught the religious laws and scriptures. Okay? He knew them. He knew them like the back of his hand. He was a very well-educated man. He was a smart guy. He was intelligent. Now, being a Pharisee meant that he was also a powerful guy. It means that he was a man with a lot of influence. He, he knew how to pull strings. He knew who to talk to. He knew the right guys. Not only that, he had a reputation He had a reputation for being powerful, for having authority. People knew who he was. 
The Bible describes Paul several times as being zealous or passionate. And to be honest with you, Saul was the kind of guy that had just about every intangible characteristic you could ask for. Every every kind of, you know, untouchable quality, man, he had it. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, he was a self-motivated guy. He was was a go-get-it-done kind of guy. That's what I mean. He was driven, he was focused, and he had a belief that was as strong as anybody else's. One of those, those kind of foundational beliefs that, that rocks to your core. You know what I'm talking about? It just so happened that Saul believed that the movement brought on by Jesus was not only wrong, but it was a direct attack against everything he had ever learned, everything he had ever been taught. Everything that Jesus said, everything that he stood for, man, he felt that as a direct attack on his belief. Everything he had ever known. Now our story begins in Jerusalem, where the Christian movement was on. And what I mean by that, thousands of new believers. People were being baptized, people were being saved every single day. The church was growing It was spreading throughout the city, and it had even begun to spread to the surrounding towns. Word was getting out. People were talking about Jesus. People were talking about the church and these new believers. However, at that same time, the persecution of these new believers had also begun. Men like Saul were going door to door, knocking on doors, asking questions. Questions like, hey, uh... Have y'all heard of any? Uh, have y'all heard of any Christians getting together? Have y'all heard? Is there any? Have you heard any rumors going around about people meeting? You know, in secret. Any of these? Any of these new believers? Any of these followers of Jesus? Have you heard of anything like that? And what that did was that started to spark conflict everywhere. It was turning neighbors against one another because what was happening was people were going well. Actually, yeah, right down, right down the road there, they had a big meeting last night. They had a bunch of people over, and they were singing. They were singing about Jesus. You know, and the next guy would say, yeah, actually, you know, the next door neighbors right here, they, they, they meet every week in private. They meet in secret every week, and they talk about Jesus, and they, they teach about him, and then they follow him. These men were, were resorting to violence as they seeked out proof using their authority and power to strike fear into the people. I want you to understand, this was Saul's plan. These were his tactics. These were his tools that he was going to use. Now let's take a look. Chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So we see right here in verse 1, just the links at which Saul was willing to go to. Murder. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in, what's it say? Chains. Man, he wasn't playing around. Saul has his mission. 
I believe he had his sights, he had his crosshairs set on any followers. That's what verse 2 says. Any followers. What it means is any believers of Jesus that he comes in contact with. Anyone who so much as utters the name Jesus. This was the plan. They were to be torn out of their homes, men or women. They were to be bound, shackled, and taken back to Jerusalem. Saul was prepared to use every extent of his power and authority as well as go to any length or measure, even murder, to catch these new believers. That was his mission. He set out on the road from Jerusalem, and we pick up in verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Lord, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. What just happened? What, what, what did we just see? What, what just occurred in our story? Let me tell you. Saul has just had an experience, an encounter with Jesus. That's what it is. Saul has just experienced an encounter with Jesus. And what I mean by that, I mean a real light from heaven, face hit the ground, Audible voice encounter with Jesus. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? Can you, can you imagine the thoughts, the questions that are rolling around in his head? As, his, as, he, as he stands up off the ground, he kind of collects himself. He opens his, his eyes to realize that he's blind. His sight has been taken from him. As his friends have to shuffle and hold his hand and take him into the city. And he sits there in a house for three days, blind. Can you imagine the conflict that was going on inside of him? Who, who was that? How, how, I mean, how did that, how did that happen? How did he have the authority, the power to do that? I can't imagine what he must have been feeling. Now, there was another believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord came to Ananias in a vision. And he said, hey, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go over to the house of Judas. When you get there, I need you to ask for a man. A man from Tarsus named Saul. He said, I've already shown him this vision. And this is what the Lord said about Saul. He said, he is praying to me right now what he said. I need you to go find this man, Saul. He is praying to me right 
now. For I've shown him a vision of a man coming and placing hands on him and him being healed. Immediately, Ananias kind of threw his hands up. He says, whoa, whoa, Lord. I know who Saul is. I've, I've heard about this guy. Better yet, I, I know his reputation. I heard about what he has done to the Christians, to the believers, to your followers in Jerusalem. And I know he's coming with power, and I know he's coming on a mission, and I know he has the authority to put me in chains the moment he sets eyes on me. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't go find this man. I can't seek this man out. I can't go help him. Verse number 15, it reads, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Now, I want you to read verse 20 with me. And immediately he began, what does it say? Preaching. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Man, that's a turnaround, ain't it? That's wild. I mean, we, we have seen a complete 180 degree turn in the life of this man. Because we're talking about Saul here. We're talking about Saul, the zealous persecutor of Christians. I mean, right? We're talking about Saul, the passionate Pharisee. Saul, the man whose reputation made Christians tremble in fear. He, he's a different man now. I mean, so, something has happened. He has changed. His mission has changed. His purpose has shifted. He's not the same guy. What, I mean, what, what has happened to this man? I believe this story teaches us two lessons. I believe they're very simple. Number one, an encounter with Jesus leads to a change of heart. Get that? It's simple. An encounter with Jesus leads to a change of heart. You say, what, what do you mean, Jake? Well, I want, I want you to think back to the beginning of our story. Okay, I want you to think back and I want you to really focus on the emotions that filled Saul's heart at the beginning of our story. Okay, I want you to focus on the anger that he had in his heart. I want you to focus on the bitterness, on the violence, on the hatred that he had in his heart. And I want you to understand why. See, Saul was angry 
that others believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Saul was angry that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah because it went against everything he had ever known. He wasn't just angry for no reason. He was angry because he felt, he believed to his core that he was right. Jesus stood for everything, uh, stood against everything that he had ever been taught, everything he had ever studied, everything he had ever known. He believed that Jesus and his followers were blasphemy and he hated them. He hated them. His heart was cold because he felt so strongly about what he had been taught his entire life. He believed it so much. And I'll be honest with you. I don't believe he ever would have changed. I believe he would have continued to feel the same way. I believe he would have continued to hate Christians. He would have continued to hate Jesus. He would have kept that bitterness and that coldness in his heart had it not been for his encounter with Jesus. See, on the road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with Jesus that led to a change of heart. The moment, and I mean the instant that Jesus spoke out to Saul, proving that he indeed was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he did have the power, he did have the authority, he was who he said he was, the moment that happened, it sparked a change in Saul's heart. It flipped everything upside down. Now, he was no longer angry or bitter, or conflicted by the followers of Jesus because he knew they were right. He wasn't angry that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, that he claimed to be the Son of God. He knew he was. There was no longer any violence or hatred in his heart for those who believed because now Saul was a believer too. Now he was a follower Also, an encounter with Jesus leads to a change of heart. Lesson number two, a change of heart leads to a change of direction. Simple. Simple. A change of heart leads to a change of direction. See, Saul's mission was very clear. Saul had set out to persecute, he had set out to imprison, and possibly even kill any followers. That's what verse number 2 said. Any followers of Jesus that he came across. Any followers that he found. That was his mission. He was willing to accomplish this by any means necessary. Go to any lengths to succeed. He was motivated, passionate. We know what type of man he was. He was driven. However, when the state of his heart changed... So did his direction. See, he was no longer interested in hunting down followers of Jesus. He was no longer interested in trying to find proof of secret meetings about him. No, all he cared about now was telling others about his encounter with Jesus and how it changed his heart. That's all he cared about. He said, I'm not interested in seeking down followers anymore. I'm interested in creating them now. All he cared about was telling others about his encounter with Jesus and how it changed him. So that's what he did. Every day. 
I believe every day uh, Saul publicly and boldly would stand up in the synagogues and he would preach and he would tell people about Jesus and he would tell people who he was and he would tell them about the power and the authority that he had and the way that he uh, encountered him and the way that it changed his life. I believe he told people every single day. Man, that became his mission. As we know, Saul went on to be called Paul. Paul went on to evangelize most of Europe and Asia, create countless churches, countless Christians, baptize countless people. He was led by the Holy Spirit to author 13 books in the New Testament, and he is considered one of the most influential Christians to ever walk the planet. That's a change in direction. That's a change in direction. A change of heart leads to a change of direction. All week long, as I went through this story, as I studied it, I couldn't help but see my life in the story. Every time I read it, and as the week drew to a close, it made more and more sense to me. God kind of revealed it more and more. And it just made so much sense to me. See, I too had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed my heart. It changed everything about me. I was 18 years old. Not much older, uh, just a few months removed from standing in front of this church over at the high school as a graduate. And I had a plan. I had a mission, if you will. And some of you may not know this about me because you might not know me that well, but if you do know anything about me, it's either that I'm the student pastor here or that I love football. I mean, like, guys, I love football, Okay. And I'm not talking about a team. I'm not talking about a university. I mean, I love the game. I love it. So when I graduated, that was the plan. All right? I was going to be a football coach. I didn't care how. I didn't care what I needed to do. I would, I would cross off the boxes, check off the boxes. I'd do whatever I needed to do. I was going to be a football coach. My entire plan revolved around that. I said, you know what? I probably need to be a teacher. I'll be a teacher. That's fine. Whatever gets me to my goal. So I enrolled at Tri-County. Started going to school. At the same time, I started working three days a week at a hay farm in West Union for a man named Dick Schaefer. My co-workers at that hay farm were Jonathan Hodge, Kyle LeVere, and our boss was a man named Tim McCall. And that, that's a motley crew right there. It didn't take me long being around those three men to realize that they had something that I didn't have. Because at 18 years old, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Not a real one. They did. Man, and I saw it. You couldn't be around them and not see it. 
And I want you to understand, I, 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 I've come to this church my entire life. I watch my parents love and care for and serve and be committed. I grew up through that. You know, I did all the steps that I was supposed to do. I checked off all the boxes. Man, at 18 years old, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Not the way these guys did. And I noticed it. And it didn't take me long to notice it. And it didn't take me long to want it. So I pursued it. And I began that relationship with Jesus. And I had encounters with him almost daily. And what I mean by that is I had encounters with him in conversation. I had to sit there and, and listen to Jonathan Hodge talk about, you know, what he was reading out of the Bible, these verses that were really speaking to him or how he was going to handle a situation in his life. I had to sit there and listen to Kyle LeVere sing, sing praise songs at the top of his lung every day. And I just wondered, like, why does, why does it matter that much to that guy? Those are the questions I, that tormented me. Those are the questions that conflicted me. As I watched these guys just live their lives with Jesus, you know, as, as the priority I'm sitting here going, why, you know, why are they so happy? Why do they act like they, they got it? And I was being led by two godly men and Tim and Dick that loved me and cared for me and were looking out for me. Through those encounters with Jesus, he changed my heart. I can remember it. I can, I, I can still feel it, even. I could, I could tell he was softening me up. I could tell I was starting to break out of my shell a little bit. I was starting to care more. I was starting to love more. It didn't take me long to feel God was calling me to a different plan. He had a different purpose in mind for me. He was calling me into the ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't have any answers to any of the questions that I wanted. But I knew 100% that he was calling me to something else. And I'll be honest with you. I wanted to follow him. I wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do. I wanted to go down whatever path he, he had laid before me. But in the back of my mind, and you might think this is petty of me, but that, that's fine. The question that always burned was, what about football? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this, God. I, you made me for this. I mean, what, 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 about, what, about, what about football? Where does, it, where does it fit in? Because I know where it fit in in my plan, and I was so worried about where it would fit in in his. Because I didn't understand it. I didn't see As God changed my heart, as an encounter with Jesus changed my heart, my direction was changed. I went off the path that I had for myself. I went off the plan I had for myself. And always in the back of my mind, I think it was, it was there. Man, what about what I want? It wasn't but a year later. It was the fall of 2011. A man that I knew solely from church named Greg Tootin invited me out on a wrecked football field. His son was playing Wahala eight and under football. He was coaching. And guys, I want you to understand, eight and under is helmets and legs. That's all it is. It's a little 
little bobbleheads. He asked me to come out. He said, man, you know, I know you're, you know, you'd be a good role model. I know you're trying to live for Jesus. I know you like football. Why don't you come out and talk to the boys? I said, okay. For me, it was a one-time deal. Get there, talk to them for a minute, get out, right? I'd never spent much time with kids at all in my life. I wasn't interested in, in being a part of rec football. That's not, that was not the plan. And guys, I'll be honest with you. I had no idea how walking onto that football field would change my life. Because it did. I had no idea. For those of y'all who know me very, you know, very well, I walked on, spoke to the boys, enjoyed it, had a good time, and I met two very important people in my life, two people that have had a lot of impact, and that was Jason and Bryce Payne. Jason and I went on to coach rec football for six years together. Wasn't part of my plan. Watching his son and so many other young boys grow up and being a part of their life, wasn't part of my plan. We were talking last night, and I can honestly say, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't right here, right now. I don't know what I'd have done if God wouldn't have changed my direction when he did. I don't know, if I, I don't know what I'd done if I didn't have those people in my life, and I hadn't had those people looking out for me and loving on me and taking care of me. I have no idea where my plan ended up. But I'm so glad I'm right here. I am so thankful. This is what I think we should do this morning. In light of all that. And I think we should be thankful. I know it's simple. I've kept it simple all morning. Just be thankful. I know that many of you can look back through your lives, man, and you can see, you can put a finger on your encounters with Jesus. You can remember the way you felt. You can remember the way that your heart changed. Maybe you can even remember the path you were on or the direction that your life was heading, and then you had an encounter and your heart changed and your direction changed. Man, and you, you probably didn't understand it at the time. It probably didn't make any sense. It probably wasn't what you wanted. But you can look back right now. And if you're anything like me, you're incredibly thankful for the direction that God put you in. You're incredibly thankful for the path that he set you down. So just be thankful for what Jesus has done for you. Be thankful for the change that you've had in your heart and the change that God has had in your life.
Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be up here today. God, and I, I could never be thankful enough for all the things that you have done in my life. God, I can't imagine where I would be without you. I can't imagine not having the people that you have sent into my life, God, be a part of it uh, and just living without them. I can't imagine. Lord, I thank you for changing my heart. I thank you for changing my direction. I thank you for sending me down the path that you knew was the right one for me to take. God, and even though sometimes it's difficult for us, sometimes it's difficult for us to take that step of faith, Lord, you're always there. You are always there to catch us. You are always there to walk with us, Lord. Always there to direct us. God, and I know that there are many people out here that have their own story. God, their own story of encounters with you and how it changed their heart, how it changed who they were, God, and how it changed the course of the rest of their life, God. And I believe they can sit here this morning and they can be thankful too. God, we love you so much. I am so thankful for everything that you do. I ask that you watch over us, Lord. Help us to grow closer to you each and every day. Help us to be the people that you want us to be each and every day. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You're dismissed.